Righto, JMI Wealth, Andrew Kelleher, good morning. Morning, Mike. Gee, a lot happened yesterday. Talk about jobs first. We'll talk about jobs first. Oh, that Fed decision, uh, 7 o'clock this morning, so it's not conveniently coming out at 6 a.m. for us to cover it here, so keep your eyes on that at 7. Yeah, Labor data released yesterday, and I've, I've commented before, this is always quite a big data dump, but boy, Mike, what an interesting set of data this time around. So... Part of the dump yesterday is the Household Labour Force survey, and I don't think anybody expected anything other than a, a confirmation of a very tight labour market. But the labour market is so tight now, Mike, that there's some pretty extreme stuff going on. So just to sort of run through the numbers, the unemployment rate stayed at 3.3%, very low level if you look at uh, historical averages. But, you know, the tail of the tape from here gets a little bit complicated. If we look at employment growth, it rose 1.3% in the quarter. Now, that, while that doesn't sound like a very big move, it is. It is a large rise. So something isn't adding up with these two numbers, is it? You've got employment growth up materially after three consecutive quarters of no growth, but the unemployment rate hasn't shifted. So what's up? Well, the answer lies in the participation rate, Mike. It's gone from 709 to 71.7%. And that, remember, that's a percentage of an awful lot of people, so very significant. So more people have been drawn into the workforce. So we've seen a big increase in youth employment, uh, and I just sort of, I very, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's something in the truancy numbers there, Mike, they're all out working. Um, but big increase in youth employment, ongoing increase in female participation in the workforce. Now the BNZ wrote a very good piece on this just yesterday and speculated where the unemployment rate would have been if you hadn't seen the participation rate go up, it would have been the, it would have been the twos. So what we don't really understand is what's going on here. Is it higher wages sort of attracting youth into, into work? Is it rising costs and rising interest rates putting pressure on household budgets so more people are, go, are having to go out to work? Uh, not, not completely sure yet, but that's only one side of the data. And also in the data yesterday, you have the wage costs and labour cost index quarter on quarter rose 1.2%, but year on year, 3.9%, and that 3.9% rise in the in the labour cost index, that's a fresh 14-year high there, but not as mind-blowing as the numbers in the quarterly employment survey, which showed private sector wages up 8.6% year-on-year above the inflation rate, and there's plenty of workers out there receiving wage and salary rises above uh, 5%. So, Mike, I'll just make the comment here. There's a conundrum for the Reserve Bank, isn't there? They can get some relief... Uh, on the inflation front from, you know, falling shipping costs. The weather could play a part and fruit and veggies could come down. They, they can reduce demand by pushing up interest rates and starving households with disposable income. None of this solves the labour market issue in the short term, does exactly. it? And then we come to the stability report, and there's plenty to think about there. Yeah, so yesterday morning the financial stability report was released, and Mike, if you'll indulge me briefly here, there's been a massive amount of ad nauseum this has been covered by in the various media on the, the risks in the housing market. But the thing is, I'm not going to add to that, Mike, because we have been talking about this for months, Correct. for months. We've consistently been highlighting the risk of household from rising mortgage rates. So what the financial stability report does is it outlines their assessment of the state of and risks to financial stability. And there's a whole chapter in there on asset prices, hence what everyone's talking about. But I would like to highlight page 23, box B, implications of a slowdown in China growth. No one's talking about that. 
But we talked about it yesterday morning when we were talking about the global dairy trade results. And we said, look, what is, go what is going to happen to the New Zealand economy because of slowing China growth? Well, they put a section in it. They talk about the implications, the potential impact on Australia and the fact that slowing Australia has flow on impacts for us as well. A general slowdown in Chinese uh, household consumption potentially affects our meat and dairy exports. Forestry, our foresters have reliant on Chinese demand. So that section there, Mike, is well worth a read as well. Good on you. What are the numbers? Right, the US market's a little bit softer, just waiting for Jerome Powell to, to do his stuff. Uh, the Dow Jones is currently 32,586, it's down 0.2 of a percent. The S&P 500 down 0.6 of a percent, 3832, and the Nasdaq down just over 1% at the moment, 10,774. Overnight, the FTSE 100 lost 0.58 of a percent, closing at 7144. The Nikkei was uh, unchanged, 27,000. 663. Shanghai Composite gained just over 1%, 3,003. Uh, across the Tasman yesterday, the Aussies uh, were up 0.1% closing at 6,987. And the local index, the NZX50, lost 0.3% closing at 11,283. On the currencies, one Kiwi dollar, 0 0.5860. Against the Aussie Mike, 0.9148. I'll just make the comment that that's the highest yep. we've seen the Kiwi Aussie rate since April. Good. So good news if you're going to Sydney for a weekend. Uh, the Euro, 0.5943. The Pound, 0 0.5115. 86.20 is the Kiwi against the Japanese Yen. Gold, $1,647.85, and Brent crude up a little bit, $96.11. You have a good one, mate. See you tomorrow. Andrew Keller, JMIWealth.co.nz.